Hello, Lakeside Church, and congratulations to Donna and Brad for 30 years. Um, first, it's just a testimony of how patient people must be in Folsom to put up with you for this long. Um, and I'm just kidding, but it is an honor just to be able to send this video message over. Brad, I hold you in the highest regard. I'm I'm amazed, and, and you're one of my heroes. So I'm trying to do everything I can to be like you. I've, I've got, I'm working on the hairstyle. I've decided to get some glasses. And so I just want to tell you, way to go for on 30 years. Congratulations. Man, it's, it's amazing, amazing stuff. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, Brad, come on up here. Hey, we couldn't let this moment pass without pausing and just appreciating Brad and Donna and 30 years of faithful ministry. Will you guys join me in? Thank you. Amen. Well, last night, Brad, we talked about a little story, and um, my story uh, nine and a half years ago started, so almost a third of the 30 years, and uh, we met, and the first night we met, somehow we ended up in the back of a car together, (laughs) and I I figured out who was in the front. So, yeah, that was the story. We're in the back of a car together, riding around Folsom, and uh, Hardwick and uh, Clockenbrink were in the front, so they kicked us in the back. And I asked you, I said, I, said I, I read the story of Lakeside on the website. At that point, we had the whole story there on the website. And I noticed that you started on the very first weekend with 55 people, but a few months later, there was 11 people. And I said, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> that's remarkable. But you stuck with it. And so I asked, why did you stick with it? And I'll never forget because... I remember reading the story and then hearing you tell the story several months later, and my heart just started pounding every time I heard it. You said, I just felt so responsible to the mission that God had called us to, and you wanted to be faithful to that mission. And here we are, you know, it's been 30 years, and we were up in Portland not too long ago, and your heart is still pounding for the mission of transformation. And I just think it is amazing. It's beautiful. And I am more fired up now than I was on day one sitting in the back of that car. So thanks. Thanks for being an example to all of us. Thank you, Appreciate it so much. Yeah. God bless you, man. We got Brad a little gift, and uh, we're not going to tell him what it is yet. And uh, we're going to let him preach a message first to y'all. All all right? So we're going to do that. Thanks, buddy. Love you. Thanks, Sean. Love you too, man. Morning, everybody. All right, this is really hard to do when all that stuff goes on. And uh, um, I already have to shorten my message because these guys got so carried away with all this great music they were doing, which is fantastic, so whatever. You want to just close in prayer? (laughs) I mean, we got Buntinis waiting for us, so we just go eat cake. Um, I, uh, I wrote into my notes... Uh, some things, some words about Thanksgiving today and gratitude, and um, then I get to hear yesterday and today, and I'm like, nothing that I wrote down is good enough. We're singing these, like, old songs, and I know, I know if you've been a Jesus follower for, like, 60 or 70 years, they're not old. They're, like, 
new choruses or something. I don't know. You know, they're not hymns. But, man, in our journey here at Lakeside, they're old, and we're singing these songs. And every single song comes with memories about people that God's touched among us. And I don't know, 10 or 20 or 30 years down the road, we're going to be cycling back to the songs that our band just wrote and that we just recorded. We're going to be singing those songs, and we're going to go, oh, man, that song reminds me of this person who came to faith in Jesus at that moment of the journey. And you're going to go, man, that's amazing. And so that's how all these songs are hitting me as we go along, and I... Um, thinking about you guys and thinking about people that have been with us over the years and people that have served alongside of us and alongside of me. And every step I take in this journey, that God has been full of grace for me to be able to take this journey with you. But every step that I take in the process of the journey, I'm more and more aware of how much it's dependent. God not, God is not dependent, but the, but the accomplishment of the mission is not dependent on one of us. It's dependent on all of us. It's all of us. And so I'm just grateful for all of you. I'm grateful that you love Jesus. I'm grateful maybe you don't love Jesus yet, but you're investigating who he is. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for whatever movement you've made toward him uh, over the years of your life. I'm grateful that God lets us do this thing called church and we get to do it together. It's risky to name names. I would love to just take names and just talk about every one of you and what you've done and what you've meant to us and what you've meant to me in this journey that we get to spend together. So, um, Janice, I can't, I can't not say hi to you and thank you for being here. And I've been watching pictures of the band members in the days b- before and watching everybody. That's just amazing. So all of you, God bless you. Thank you for what you're, here, what you're here doing and what we get to do together. I'm grateful for my wife. She was here last night at 5. I thought she was coming today. Last night I thought she was coming today. Then she showed up at 5 o'clock. Messed me up. Because <laughs> uh, uh, she's the hero among us. Um, I mean, my friend Steve. Yeah, right? <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. My friend Steve Clifford, who was in that video, he is a pastor of a church called Westgate down in San Jose. It's a beautiful church, and uh, to have, have him talk about, you know, what, what God has done among us is really a treat for me, but he, he, you know, said how patient you all were with me as we go along, which is true, but my wife's the one, she's the patient one who has kept us going all these years, so I'm grateful for her. I'm grateful for my children who became pastor's children through no fault of their own. So I'm very grateful for them and their kindness to me over the years, making the mistakes of a dad and making them public. So I'm just very grateful. So thank you. I want to talk to you about Jesus because that's what we're that's what we do. And. Um, Maybe we'll just pray first, and then we'll come back and talk about Jesus, okay? Father, you're good. You're good every day, all the time. You're good. And some moments, we just get to stop, and we get to remember that in a very specific way. And Lord, these songs that we've sung today that are so deeply etched in my soul 
are remembrances of your goodness. And Lord, I look out on the faces of my friends here in the room, and they, every face is a reminder of your goodness. And Lord, we, we're going to look back a little bit today. We're looking back in the songs, and we're looking back in the stories and things like that, but we really want to look ahead. We really want to look at where you, where you want to go with us next. What do you want to do in us next? You're not done with us yet, and so... Uh, I pray that you would speak up to us again, and may our, our, our ears be open to listen to you today. Lord, thank you. We love you so much. Amen. So we're talking about Jesus from the book of Matthew, and uh, Jesus, especially in the book of Matthew, is all about surprises. He's all about surprising us, and he's telling us stories about the kingdom of heaven and how the kingdom of heaven is always surprising us. Where The series we're doing is called When Heaven Sneaks Up on You. Because it does, it sneaks up on you and it does things you weren't expecting. And then it surprises you, it surprises me. And so I'm surprised all the time. I'm surprised uh, by the joy that comes from following Jesus. I'm, I'm just surprised by it. When I was a child and I put my faith in Christ, I didn't know all the joys that were coming in my life. Because Jesus is so good and so faithful to us. I'm so grateful uh, and surprised by those joys. I'm surprised by the pain. I mean, think about 30 years of serving with people. And we're all, we're all people. We're all human. We all come with sharp edges and, you know, rough spots and things. And we, we sometimes, sometimes God lets us sand those rough spots off by running into each other, you know. And there's pain that comes with that. There's loss that comes over the course of 30 years. And... I'm surprised sometimes by the pain and sometimes by the intensity of it. I'm surprised by Jesus. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. I'm, su- I'm surprised by Jesus' culture. I mean, like the church, you know the church Jesus culture in town? Yeah, so on, on uh, this, earlier this week, Banning Leapshire, who is the pastor at Jesus Culture, he texted me and he said, hey, Brad, can I come over on Thursday and give you something? Sure, you know, sure, come give me something, that'd be awesome. So he comes over on Thursday afternoon, and he had heard that it was our 30th anniversary, and so he had commissioned a painting for us. And he came, kind of gave a talk to us. I said, I got our whole staff together out of the office, like, come down here, this talk. And so Banning gives us all a talk about this painting. He said, I just had a dream of a wave, and how the wave just keeps coming, and it coming, and coming, and that's what God has done through Lakeside, just keep coming, and coming, and never stop being faithful. And so he brought us this picture, did, yeah, he brought us this painting, and uh, you can't maybe tell how big it is right there, it's, out, it's actually uh, attached to a wall in the lobby now, but the artist that he commissioned to paint this picture, like it sounds like her favorite medium is sheetrock. <laughs> this painting is on sheetrock, and it's, you know, sheetrock is heavy, it's not, like a, it's not like a this size, it's not like Mona Lisa size, it's like six by four. <laughs> sheetrock, and it's got to have a two-by-four frame all around it with bars across the middle to hold this thing together. I had to help Banning get it out of the SUV that he delivered it in. <laughs> and he gave it to us because he just said, you know what, you guys have been an example for all these years in our community, and that faithfulness has mattered in our town a ton. And so we already mounted it out in the wall. You can go see it in the lobby. But it's, it's such a picture of it's not about one church. It's about the church. And we meet in different franchises. We fellowship in different ways. We worship in different ways. God is not offended by any of that. 
but it's really not about one franchise. It's about the church. And so I'm praying for Banning and for uh, Jesus Culture. They're three years into their journey now. They started three years ago. They got 27 years to catch up. <laughs> and then we'll be at 60. <laughs> Something like that. So I won't be around for that, not thinking, but, you know, some of you might be. So anyway, I'm surprised by that, and I'm grateful for that. I'm surprised by Jesus and the things he does. There, there are these parables that Jesus talks, uh, uh, tells us about, stories that Jesus tells about in the scripture in the book of Matthew. And uh, parables are, uh, they are stories of comparison. They're stories of real-life things that happen here, but they picture life in heaven. And life in heaven, of course, is real life, too. We just don't know what it looks like yet. And sometimes we get all dialed into heaven, and I'm like, someday I'm going to go to heaven, or, you know, streets of gold and all that go with that. But Jesus' real interest in the parables was to tell us what happens when heaven is activated on earth. There are 10 parables in the book of Matthew that begin this way. The kingdom of heaven is like, dot, dot, dot. The kingdom of heaven is like, and you know, sometimes the Bible's not all that clear. I don't know if, I don't know if you've read it, but it's like, sometimes it's like, it's not all that clear to me. Do you find that? Sometimes you got to work hard to grasp the meaning of what's going on in the scripture. But there's sometimes when the Bible just like, boom, here it is. And here's 10 stories where Jesus goes, the kingdom of heaven is like. I go, it's like what? And then he tells us some surprising things of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And what happens when heaven is activated in our lives on earth. And that's what these stories from Jesus are about. Now, there are more than 10 parables from Jesus in the book of Matthew. But there's these 10. And I can't tell you all 10. I put some notes in the YouVersion app so you can see some, some things that are surprising in these 10 different parables. But let me just show you two parables today. If you have your Bible, why don't you pull it out and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Let me just read a couple of really short stories or short parables from Jesus. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 31. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now, a lot of you have heard that story. That's not like a new one. We didn't make that one up. Jesus told that 2,000 years ago. Now, if you've been reading the Bible, you've been reading that story. But there's a surprise in it, which again, won't be all that surprising if you've read it and thought about it. But there's, the surprise in it is this. The kingdom of heaven starts really small. But it's the nature of the kingdom of heaven when it gets activated on earth to grow really large. And Lakeside Church is a picture of that. So Sean referred back to the story that I told a couple of weeks ago about the beginning of Lakeside and how when we first met in the Folsom Eagles Hall in 1987, there were 55 people present that day. And it was a great, it was a great celebration. Would have been greater if I hadn't had so much faith because we, you know, we expected about 50 people and I set up 110 chairs you know what, 50 people in 110 chairs does not look successful. It's, it's, it's overwhelming, but not in a happy way. If I would have you know, like had less faith and set up 30 chairs, then we would have blown the doors out of the place with 55. So anyway, we had 55 people the very first weekend, and after three months, we'd taken that 55 to a group of 11. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's, that's pastoral leadership skill right there. Everything that happened after that was from God. So 
Uh, so, you know, it's like, okay, we're ready to crash and burn. The kingdom of heaven starts really small, like a mustard seed. God said, you're 55. That's too many. I can't work with that. Let's start with 11, buster. All right, let's do 11. Now, I don't know how it looks to you down there, but did you notice these ribbons? You can't, you can't really not notice the ribbons today. There are 1,613 ribbons up there, and every one of those ribbons represents a life that has been baptized because they're faithful followers of Jesus at Lakeside Church. Sixteen hundred people that over the course of thirty years have said, "I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to get baptized to demonstrate my faith in Him." And now we got ribbons up here. You should come up here and see it when you get done, because it's more amazing here than it is even sitting out there. It's remarkable. One thousand six hundred thirteen. Three of those are my children. Some of those are your children. Some of those are you. Some of those ribbons represent you. The kingdom of heaven is hardwired to grow from something really small in your heart to something big, something amazing. That's what happens when the kingdom of heaven gets activated on earth. It's what happens when the kingdom of heaven gets activated in our lives. There's another parable that I want you to see. It's found in verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. That's a fascinating story. Here's some dude, and he's walking through a field, and he finds a treasure. Yeah, but he... he, Not because he was walking through a field, he was digging. He was digging in somebody else's field. It wasn't his field because he had to buy it, but it wasn't just laying on top because everybody else would have found it before and the owner of the land would have known it was there. So here's this guy and he's digging in a field and he finds a treasure. Now, I'm not a great negotiator. I'm not really sharp on these kind of things. I would have found the treasure and taken it to the owner and said, could I buy the treasure? guy in the field he's a little smarter and he he finds the treasure he's like that's amazing that's the best treasure I've ever seen in my life and he buries it again and he goes and he sells everything he has to buy that field because he knows in the field there is treasure what happens when the kingdom of heaven gets activated on earth What happens when you find the treasure that represents heaven on earth and you find it? What do you do with that? What kind of investment in faith do you make into that? Some of you know the story, but it's probably worth repeating today. Back in 1996, we had just completed building a building for our children's ministry over at our other property across town. We'd spent... But at that time, six or seven years in the old Catholic church building, and we bought it from them, and the church, Lakeside Church was growing, and actually Lakeside ended up with uh, over a 1,000 people every weekend gathered on that property at the corner of Natoma, Natoma and Sibley Street, a 1,000 people on one acre of property with 54 parking spaces in Old Folsom. <laughs> 
That's a miracle, but it's not a recipe for continued growth. It's like, you're going to get jammed in there pretty soon. And we just built this building for our children's ministry. And within months, it was overcrowded. Within months, we're adding, adding more worship gatherings just to make room for people that were coming. And so after a while, I went to our elder team and I said, we've we got to do something. We're going to be stuck and we're not going to be able to keep reaching out to the people that are coming into our town. We've got to reach as many people as possible. That's the mission. And so I, I said, I need, I need to get some of our developer types to, to, to think about how we might be able to expand our ministry or maybe move to another location. So they said, yeah, go for it. Let's do that. So I gathered some of our developers that were in the church together, people that were in real estate or, or construction or you know, land development, those kinds of things. And we got them together in somebody's living room and I laid out the vision. I'd, I'd, I'd been praying about this and like, God, what do you want us to do? And so I had this vision of what I thought we needed to do. I said, I think we, as this group of developers, we need to pray to God and ask him to lead us to a, a piece of property in Folsom that has 20 acres. Now this is 1996 at the time. And so there were some spaces still available in the city that had 20 acres said, we need to ask God to provide 20 acres, and we need to have it inside the city of Folsom. We could have gone out of town, but I'm like, Folsom has always been our target. We're a regional church. You come from all over the place, but the city of Folsom has always been our target from the beginning 30 years ago, so it's got to be in the city of Folsom, and it's got to be on a major intersection. And then in a fit of faith, I added something that I hadn't added in my own prayers and dreams before that. At the last minute, I said, it's got to be 20 acres in Folsom on a major intersection. I said, and I think we ought to ask God to give it to us for free. (laughs) That was sort of their response too. Nervous laughter. (laughs) These are developers. They're like, nobody gives land away for free. You can't buy a square foot for free. Is that... You know, so they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. I said, okay, you guys, your job is to go research, go look around, go find out what's out there and come back and report. We met back about three months later and half the team didn't come. Because <laughs> they're like, that man's a whack job. It's not happening. But those of us who were there, we continued to pray that God would lead us to the right space. And some months after that, we're now in 1997, some months after that, we we're... we're uh, just still looking and still looking. I got a phone call from one of our members on that team, and he said, hey, Buzz Oates wants to talk to you. Now, some of you may remember Buzz Oates was one of the large land developers, largest land developers in the Sacramento region. And so, you know, it's like, he wants to talk to us. Let's, let's go. So Scott Hansen was on our board of elders at the time. And so he and I went down, and, and we're going to meet with Buzz Oates. Scott said before he went, he goes, hey, put together a flip chart. Some of you don't know what a flip chart is. Somebody told me last night it's like a, it's a non-digital um, PowerPoint, I, something like that. I don't, I, you know, a flip, never mind. So anyway, he goes, get a flip chart and, t- you know, tells our history and all that. So I'm like, okay, I'm not good at that, but I'll, I'll put something together. So we get in the car, we drive down to Buzz Oates' office, and we, we go into his conference room. He's got a table that's so wide, it reminds me of the tables they used when Israel and the Palestinians were trying to have peace talks, and they didn't want anyone to accidentally reach across the table to shake hands with the others because it might mess up world peace. So they had this huge table. Well, that's what we went into. And so here's Buzz Oates on one side of this conference, not, like, not one end, just one side, and I can barely see him. And he's over there with his partner. They're over there. And then Scott and I are over here on this side of the table. And, and then the conversation begins. Mr. Oates says, well, boys, what can I do for you? And I'm like, oh, no, we're so hosed. He called us boys. 
<laughs> this is not going to go anywhere good. Well, boys, what can I do for you? And Scott elbows me. He goes, show him the flip chart. Show him the flip chart. I'm like, no, I don't want to show him the... F- okay. So I get my flip chart out, and, and mercifully, Mr. Oates goes, well, I don't need to see that. Thank you. Hey, guys, he, he says, I know what you guys are doing. I know what Lakeside's doing in the city of Folsom. How can we help? And his colleague said they're interested in that property that we have in Folsom. And so the negotiations began. He, now, I had prayed before we got there because I heard some rumors. I had heard a rumor that the property that we were interested in, that they owned, uh, had been appraised at $6 million dollars. And I, you know, I know I saw some of you flinch. Uh, we're a church. I said I, in my prayers, I said, God, we're a church. We don't have six million dollars. If they if they say the price tag is six million, we're out. And so, and then I, and I heard another rumor that they might the, the 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 land was parceled out in like twelve parcels, and they'd already began selling off certain individual parcels. And so I had heard a rumor that they might they might slice it in half and give us the back half, and then sell the front half, which is more valuable. And in my prayers in advance, I said, and now, Lord, I've heard a rumor that they might slice it off. And I'm like, yeah, but we're your church. We want to, we want to be visible from the front. We want, like, we want the whole piece. I'm always, you're asking God, you might as well ask, right? So those are my prayers. So the negotiations began, and first thing Mr. Oates said was, you know, that land has been appraised at $6 million. And so I reminded the Lord of my prayer. Like, Lord, you remember, we're a church, and we don't have $6 million. And the very next thing Buzz Oates said was, yeah, but you guys are a church. You, you, you probably don't have $6 million, do you? <laughs> nope. So, so he kept negotiating he, with himself. He goes, yeah, you know, uh, we, could, we could split that land off. It's all in parcels anyway. We could split it off and, and sell you guys the back part, and we'll sell the front. We can make our money back in the front, and we can sell you the back part for like $4.5 million. And I'm like, Lord, you rem-, this is all like just between God and me, right? I'm like, Lord, you remember my prayers. Like, we're, we're your church. We, we, want, we want to be up front. We want the whole thing. The very next thing, I'm not making this up. You can ask God. I'm not making it up. The very next thing he said was, yeah, but you're a church. You're going to want the whole thing, aren't you? <laughs> and the negotiations continued. We haven't even said anything. <laughs> now he's down from $6 million to 4.5. Next thing I know, he's down at 3. I don't even know why he's at 3. And the next thing I know, he's saying, you know what? I've got five other partners in this, in this property. We've all invested together. And what we have invested in the property is $1.1 million. He said, if, we could, if I can get my partners to agree, would you buy it at $1.1 million? Scott and I hadn't talked about a, a, you know, a bottom line price, and we didn't even look at each other. We both just said, yes. <laughs> they came around the table. We shook hands because we couldn't reach. So we came around, shook hands. We got a deal. Mr. Oates said, we'll, carry, we'll write up the paperwork. We'll carry the papers. We'll carry the loan. We'll... Uh, We'll make this work, but it's got to work by the end of December. This is now, when we're talking, it's middle of November 1997. It's got to happen by the end of the year, or it doesn't help us tax-wise. And if it doesn't help us tax-wise, we're not doing it. Like, okay, good, good. And then as he walked us out the door, he said, don't call us, we'll call you. 
So Thanksgiving came and went. Women's Christmas celebration at Lakeside came and went. Now we're zooming in on Christmas. And I'm like, I know how this works. You've got to have 30 days for escrow to go. I know how, I know how real estate works. <laughs> right before Christmas, Mr. Ellis called us back and he said, we, we, I got my partners in line. We're gonna, we've got a deal. We can make this happen. Are you still in? And, in, and I'm like, in my head, I'm, I'm like, we have rules. We're supposed to have two weeks' notice to call the church together to vote on this kind of property purchase. Like, yes! <laughs> we called every member of Lakeside. We got everybody uh, squeezed into our building over there in one meeting on Monday night, December 29th, two days before it had to close escrow. We had a conversation about purchasing this property for $1.1 million and... The church voted unanimously to say yes, which in itself is a miracle because churches never agree unanimously. (laughs) Tuesday morning, December 30th, it went into escrow. On Wednesday afternoon, December 31st at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we got a call and they said, the deal is done. It's your property. That property is this property. Now... What I had prayed for, what we as a team and as a church had prayed for was 20 acres in Folsom on a major intersection. The property that we purchased was actually 28 acres and met all the rest of the criteria. And if you do the math, we paid $1.1 million for eight acres and got through 20 acres in for free. And I think that's because something happens when heaven gets activated on earth. Something happens when you find a field, and in that field there's a treasure, and you go, that treasure's worth more than anything I've ever seen in my life, and I have to have it. And you go, and you go, I'm going to make any investment I can in that field. And look at the field God has invested in among us. Now you are his treasure, we are his treasure that he invested in. And now he says to us, he goes, I want you to keep investing in that treasure. I want you to, I want to, keep, you, I want you to keep investing in that field. I want, to keep, I want you to keep activating heaven on earth because the mission matters. It matters as much today as it mattered in 1987. It matters as much today as it mattered in 1993 when Shout to the Lord came out. Still matters. Every single soul you know, it matters to them, just like it matters to us. I'm not looking back for long. I'm looking forward. God, what do you want to do next? What's the treasure going to look like tomorrow? Through us. Jesus, thank you for your greatness and your goodness to us. We celebrate what you've done, Lord. We uh, invite you to continue to work through us. The treasure that you have is more and more beautiful every day. And we want you to uh, celebrate that treasure with us. We want you to empower us to share that treasure with others. We want you to move through us and among us to do your great work among us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Amen.